This is the One Verse Podcast, where we liberate scripture from religion one verse at a time. Well, hello, and thank you for joining me for another episode of the One Verse Podcast. I am Jeremy Myers, your teacher for this podcast. Have you ever read Matthew 19, 16 through 21, where the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to gain eternal life? Now, we all know the answer to that. Well, you need to believe in me. That's what Jesus says over and over in the Gospel of John. But that is not how Jesus answers this rich young ruler. He tells the rich young ruler to give away all of his possessions. This has created a lot of controversy in the church over the years, and today we are going to solve that controversy. (laughs) Uh, We're going to look at several key truths about eternal life, how it works, what it is, and then also several key concepts, ideas, insights on Matthew 19, 16 through 21, and the parallel passages in Luke 18 and Mark 10 that will help us understand why Jesus said what he said to the rich young ruler. Bottom line truth, no, you cannot gain, earn, work for eternal life by giving away all of your possessions. All right, so we'll, we'll explain all of that more as we look at the text. Now, before we get to that, I do have a few announcements, uh, housekeeping items. Uh, number one, I'm reworking a lot of my books, and I have recently revised, updated, and expanded three of my books on the church actually four of them. One of them is Skeleton Church. The other one is uh, The Death and Resurrection of the Church. Another one is Put Service Back into the Church Service. And then another one is Dying to Religion and Empire. I'm still working on two other books in that series. Anyway, uh, they have study guides. Each book has about 20 or 30 pages of new material. There's discussion questions for, it's perfect for a small group setting and uh, lots lots of other things, as well as new covers even on some of the books. So anyway, if you've read those or have not read them in the past, they're worth looking up. Just go to Amazon.com, search for any one of those book titles, and uh, you'll probably start with The Death and Resurrection of the Church, and then you should see the others listed in the series, okay? Uh, One other item to make mention of, uh, Logos Bible Software has a new version out, version 8. It's much better, faster. Uh, Then version 7 was. I had some issues and complaints with version 7, but I love version 8. All right. So if you're looking for good Bible study software, uh, you can go get that now. And if you use my coupon code, redeeminggod8, that's just like my website, redeeminggod, and then the number 8 for Logos version 8, redeeminggod8, you'll get 10% off your order or 25% off your upgrade. Okay. So um, go ahead and use that. I do, of course... They, they give me a little uh, money by recommending that, but I'm not going to recommend anything to you that I myself do not use, okay? So I do believe in the software, and it's some of the best Bible study software that is out there. So I'm not recommending it just because they might pay me. I'm recommending it because I believe in it. All right, so with all of that in mind, let us turn to the rich young ruler in Matthew 19, 16 through 21. So in this passage, uh, there's this rich young ruler And he approaches Jesus and says, uh, you know, good teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? Uh, By the way, in the parallel passage in Luke 10, it's an account of a lawyer. 
And uh, some people think it's a different account. Some people see the similarities and think it's the same account. Maybe this rich young ruler was also a lawyer. Anyway, we don't really know. Uh, if it's two different accounts, one account, it doesn't really make any difference. Uh, and Jesus, first of all, says, well, you know the law. You know, you know what the, the, the scriptures say, obey the law, <laughs> specifically the Ten Commandments. <laughs> That's not quite a correct answer either, we wouldn't think. What, obey the Ten Commandments to gain eternal life? But that's what Jesus says. And the man responds, oh, I've done all of that since I was a boy. (laughs) All right, that tells us something about the rich young ruler's character. Jesus says, well, okay, fine. He doesn't challenge the rich young ruler on this. Jesus says, okay, fine. There's still one thing you lack. You must go and sell everything you own and then give the money to the poor. And at the end of the story, the rich young ruler goes away very sad. He goes away forlorn. Because he was very rich. All right, so what is this passage about? Some Bible teachers and scholars say, see, see, you can earn eternal life for yourself. You can perform enough good works to gain eternal life for yourself. Uh, You know, you have to uh, obey the Ten Commandments and give away all your money. Um, The thing is, is there's numerous considerations from the text that reveal that this is not what Jesus is saying. And besides that, this understanding of the text contradicts everything else uh, from Jesus, especially from the Gospel of John, about how to gain eternal life, uh, which is believe in Jesus Christ for it. And then, of course, even what Paul understood Jesus taught about justification and eternal life, which once again is believe in Jesus Christ for it. All right, so what is Jesus talking about? Why does he answer the rich young ruler this way? To see the answer to this, we first need to understand several things about eternal life. And then once we look at those, we will turn and look at the text itself. Now, I do need to let you know what I share with you here comes from my Gospel Dictionary online course. It looks at 52 keywords of the gospel. One of them, of course, is eternal life. The lesson on eternal life looks at a bunch of different texts, and this one on the rich young ruler is just one of them. Uh, Here in the podcast, I am not going to look at any other passages about eternal life. If you want to learn some of the others, you'll have to take the lesson, uh, take the course in order to to see what those are. All right, so uh, there's, there's three main truths that we need to remember about eternal life. First, eternal life begins the moment we believe in Jesus for it. All right, there's some people that think, Eternal life begins the moment you die, right? In this life, we just have some sort of physical life, and eternal life is some sort of promise, pie in the sky, future thing we're going to have after we die and go to heaven, something like that. But that's not true. According to the Bible, the moment you believe in Jesus for eternal life, you have it. It is a present possession here and now, something that you receive during this life immediately when you believe in Jesus for it, all right? And this life, since it comes from God, it's God's life in us, all right? Uh, It's in Jesus. Basically, anyone who shares life with Jesus also shares God's life, the eternal life, the life of God in Jesus, which is then given to us, okay? Uh, John writes elsewhere, 1 John 1, 2, Jesus is eternal life. So when we are in Jesus by faith, when we're placed in Jesus by faith, then That's why we have eternal life. Okay, so that's the first thing. Eternal life begins now. Very important. You'll see why in a minute. Second, also very important. (laughs) Eternal life is 
eternal. I sometimes feel like I shouldn't have to say this. Another way of saying this is everlasting life is everlasting. Uh, But you'd be shocked and surprised how many Christians think that eternal life is not eternal, or everlasting life is not everlasting. Uh, Earl Rodenmacher used to say, if you can lose your eternal life, it has the wrong name, right? And sometimes I like to think about eternal life uh, being born again into the family of God, like being born into this life, right? Once you are born as a baby, you cannot go back and be unborn. It's a historical fact of your past. And this is the same with being born again into the family of God. Once you are born into the family of God, you cannot go back and be unborn. You cannot, uh, once you received eternal life by being placed in Jesus Christ by faith, then you cannot be taken out of Jesus Christ. Right? There's, there's lots of bad things that can happen to you. Divine discipline, for example, as one of them. Uh, but, but God will not take away your eternal life. Everlasting life is everlasting. Eternal life is eternal. All right? Just as a summary, sort of on this idea, and some of you might be thinking of verses, oh no, but this verse says you can lose your salvation. This verse says you can lose your salvation. You might be thinking some of those verses. Let me just say this. Remember one of the other keys we've talked about over and over and over. Uh, the word salvation does not refer to eternal life, all right? There is not a single verse in the Bible that says a person can lose their eternal life after they've gained it, all right? You need to, when, when the verses are talking about salvation or something else, you might think, oh, this, this proves you can lose your eternal life. No, look in the context. Eternal life is not in view. Something else might be that you can lose, but not eternal life. Okay, so those that's the second truth. Number one, eternal life begins the moment you believe in Jesus for it. Number two, eternal life is eternal. And number three, since these two things are true, all right, this means we can start experiencing eternal life now. All right, this is a very important truth for understanding Matthew 19. All right, Uh, We don't wait to begin experiencing eternal life until after we die. We have it now. It's a present possession, which means, based on how we live, we can begin to experience God's life in us, the eternal life, the life we gained through Jesus Christ, from Jesus, by faith in him. We can begin to experience that now. We can begin to just think of everything you look forward to eternity for. Um, a life of joy and satisfaction and fulfillment and living up to your full potential. God says that when we follow Jesus, when we live God's life, we can begin to experience some of that now. Now, we won't fully experience it until we receive our new glorified bodies. All right, that's true. But we can begin to taste, experience some of that now. All right. So um, eternal life isn't just a future experience to be longed for, but it is a way of life that we can can start to live here and now. I sort of like to think about eternal life as a whole new world, right? A whole new life in a whole new world. And when you believe in Jesus for eternal life, you step through the doorway into this new world. And by the way, since... The door's a one-way door. It's not a revolving door. It's not like you can step into this new world and then step back out of it. 
Why? Eternal life is eternal. Everlasting life is everlasting. Once you step through that door, the, the door locks behind you. There's no going back. All right? Now, what happens a lot of times as Christians, uh, newborn baby Christians, is they step through that door, they believe in Jesus for eternal life, and then they sit down right at the doorway, rest their back up against the, the, the frame of the door and say, well, thumbs up, I've got eternal life, I guess I'm good. And then they sit there and they twiddle their thumbs waiting to die. <laughs> that is not the experience of eternal life. Uh, to use sort of an imagery from C.S. Lewis, Jesus calls us to go higher up and further in, right? To experience, adventure, explore this new life that we have in Jesus Christ. And yes, that full experience won't come until after we die, but large parts of that experience can be experienced now. This idea helps us understand several tricky passages in the New Testament. All right, when you come across a passage that seems to imply that eternal life can be earned or gained by good works, a lot, a lot of times the passages will even use the word inherit, all right, look very carefully because what those passages are talking about is not earning or working for eternal life, but experiencing eternal life here and now. We gain eternal life by faith alone in Jesus Christ, but we experience that life. We begin to explore that life through faithful following of Jesus Christ, right? It's an eternal possession here and now, but it can also be a present reality that we experience as we follow Jesus on the path of discipleship, all right? So those are the three principles that you need to understand about eternal life. Now, with those in mind, that's going to help us understand this concept of the rich young ruler in Matthew 19, 16 through 21. First thing I want you to recognize about this passage is that it is not about receiving eternal life, working for eternal life, even earning eternal life. Right? It is about inheriting eternal life. All right? Uh, and inheritance, another big concept, which we will look at in the Gospel Dictionary online course, but uh, inheritance is something completely different than a gift, especially back in the days of Jesus and Paul and so on, okay? You can lose your inheritance, but you cannot lose eternal life. You cannot lose your free gift, right? By your behavior and actions and so on, you could lose the inheritance that was due to you, but that is very different than losing your eternal life. And in the parallel passages of this, for example, um, in, in Matthew 19.23 and Mark 10.23 and Luke 18.24, what we see Jesus is talking about is not receiving eternal life, but the, 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 the context is about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is not the same thing as eternal life. Again, kingdom of God, another concept that we look at in the Gospel Dictionary. You see how all of these words are so intricately connected and tied together. You misunderstand one, you're going to misunderstand a bunch of them. But once you understand these other words, inheritance, kingdom of God, salvation, eternal life, you'll see how all of these passages start to make a whole lot more sense. All right, so this passage is not about gaining, earning eternal life, but about inheriting eternal life. And 
the surrounding context and the parallel passages make that more clear. Now, yes, here in Matthew uh, 19, the rich young ruler, ruler does talk about gaining eternal life, but Jesus quickly corrects him. You know, the rich young ruler probably had some bad theology, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Jesus points out his bad theology to him and tries to correct it, but we shouldn't think that because Jesus um, th- this is the way the, f- the phrase is asked by the rich young ruler, that this is also what Jesus thought, okay? The rich young ruler wants to gain it, Jesus says you can't, and he tries to point that out. Anyway, um, so, so, so that's, an, that's part of the, the context here. But notice, first of all, as we look at the text, we, do, and we know right from the start that the man was extremely proud, this rich young ruler. All right, Jesus says, well, what do the scriptures say? Well, you got to obey the Ten Commandments. Now, can anyone fully, completely obey the Ten Commandments? Of course not. Nobody can. As James points out, Jesus points out, Paul points out. <laughs> Even Moses pointed this out, by the way, in the Pentateuch. That's a whole other topic. Moses knew it was impossible. And um, that's why he kept adding laws to this. And anyway, that's a whole other discussion. But the point is, is when Jesus pointed this out, oh, yeah, the rich young ruler says, oh, yeah, I've kept all the Ten Commandments since I was a, a, a young boy. All right? Jesus knew that was impossible. But notice Jesus doesn't argue with him. He doesn't like, really? Just yesterday, you know, Jesus could have done that. Earlier today, uh, on your way here, he could have pointed out the numerous ways this young man had broken the, the Ten Commandments on his way here, especially when we realize it's not a matter only of outward behavior, but also inner attitude, as Jesus points out in the Sermon on the Mount. But anyway, Jesus decides to up the ante on him. You know, to show the man, in an attempt to show the man, he wasn't as righteous as he thought. Paul does the same thing in the book of Romans, by the way. So, so, so Jesus told the man to do something he knew the man could not and would not do. He says, all right, fine, go sell all your riches and give the money to the poor, right? Even this wouldn't be the end, because even after that, notice Jesus says, and then come follow me, all right? So even here, it's not about giving all your, away all your possessions, because then Jesus said, and then come follow me. And if you, the, the point is, and if you still think you are self-righteous and have obeyed the law perfectly, then I'll give you something else to do. That's the implication here. Until the man could come to the realization, boy, I can't do everything required, at which point Jesus would say, yes, that's right. So believe in me and I'll give you eternal life as a free gift, right? Jesus' point is to young man, you're never going to arrive. You're never going to do it all. You're never going to accomplish enough. You're never going to have enough good works. And until you realize that, until you recognize that, you will not ever be able to get to the point where you can just say, Jesus, I can't do it. Thank you for the free gift of eternal life. All right. So these words of Jesus here at the beginning of this are just intended to begin dismantling the pride of the rich young ruler. All right. That's the first part of this passage. Second, Jesus recognized that the riches themselves were the source of the rich young ruler's problem. Uh, and this is why Jesus focused on the riches. He could have focused on a bunch of other things, okay? Uh, but he focused on the riches because in that culture, in that time, the riches were very significant in a very specific way. 
right? Jesus asked about the Ten Commandments, you know, and he could have he could have pointed out any one of them, I suppose. But Jesus focused on the riches because the law, for example, in Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 through 14, the Mosaic law promises that if someone obeys God, God will bless them with wealth and riches and health and prosperity and all good things. All right? And so this rich young ruler looked at his great wealth, and then he found this, so these various passages out of the law that said, if you obey God, he will bless you with wealth. And the logical conclusion then is, I must be obeying the law so well, because look at how wealthy I am. Right? And he had become very wealthy. He was very wealthy from, very wealthy from a very young age. That's why he thought he'd been obeying the law since he was a youth, because he'd been rich from a youth. And so what does Jesus say? He says, give away the sign of God's blessing upon you. Give away all your wealth, right? Get rid of your false sense of moral perfection, right? The rich young ruler looked at his wealth as a sign, a clear sign that he was in God's good graces, that God was blessing him because of how obedient he was. And so Jesus says, really? Then get rid of it. (laughs) You're looking at your wealth as a sign that you are obeying God completely? Fine. Get rid of all your wealth and then come follow me. Let's see where you're at. Okay? From the ancient Israelite perspective, and we see this in Job, for example, other places in Scripture, if a person lost all their wealth, then that meant they were no longer under God's good graces, that God had somehow been displeased by them. Now, we know from the New Testament, and even the book of Job ultimately points this out, that that's not how God works. That's not how life works. (laughs) The real world actually works the opposite way. All right? And uh, even a lot of the prophets point this out. Jeremiah 12, for example, one says, God, how come the wicked are the ones who prosper? Right? How come the faithless live in ease? And the sad reality then, as now, is that sometimes, not sometimes, frequently, the rich become rich by stealing from the poor. All right? And, And so this gets back to this idea of how the rich young ruler became rich at such a young age. Was he really obeying the law or was he becoming rich on the backs of his fellow countrymen? In fact, it's very interesting. The rich young ruler passage in Luke immediately follows the story of Zacchaeus, who did what? Became very rich by stealing, overtaxing his fellow Jewish people. All right, so again, Jesus is challenging this entire way of thinking. He's saying the money you have doesn't indicate what you think it has. In fact, it indicates the opposite, that you've been becoming rich by stealing from your fellow Jews. And so you haven't been obeying the law. In fact, you've been breaking the law. And so you need to get rid of that whole way of thinking, that whole system that you've set up, all of these riches that tell you you've, you're, you're doing a good job obeying, obeying God. 
and also um, the whole system of how you became rich in the first place. And in fact, take your wealth and give it to the people that you look down upon. Who are they? The poor. You look down upon the poor because, oh, look at those poor people. They're only poor because they've been disobeying God. And so Jesus says, give it to them. <laughs> Turn the tables. Reverse the scales. All right? And it turns out that if the rich young ruler could do this, and if somewhere along the way he believed in Jesus and gained eternal life, then that would help him experience, right? Here we go to that third truth about eternal life. That would indeed help him experience God's life or eternal life in his life here and now by helping the poor, the outcast, the rejected, the sick, okay? That is one of the principles of living in the kingdom of God, this new life in the new world of God's kingdom, taking what we have and helping others with it. All right, so all of this helps us understand Matthew 19, 16 through, 20, uh, through 21. And all these factors are considered. Bottom line is Jesus is challenging the status quo theological belief of his day, and ours, by the way, as well. Even today, we sometimes think that the rich people are those whom God loves and the poor people God hates. And that is not true. Jesus pointed that over and over and over. And the context of, of, these, of this passage makes it clear as well. And this is why, by the way, right after this, Jesus says it's very difficult for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because they rely on their riches. He talks about this whole, uh, the camel going to the eye of the needle thing, okay? Um, they rely on their riches as signs or evidence that they are really living the way God wants. And sometimes people believe that today too, as well. All right, I, I, I've heard sermons, I've read books. If you're rich, you need to give it up or you cannot go to heaven because it's impossible for the rich. You know, it, it's, more, it's more difficult for the rich to go into heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And I've heard this whole thing about the gates of Jerusalem being the eye of a needle. None of that matters, Okay. The point is, it's not about how to gain eternal life. It's about giving up this whole theological belief system that your riches prove anything one way or another about where you stand with God. Okay? They don't prove anything. Here's the bottom line truth, and I, I try to point this out in my course, uh, The Gospel According to Scripture. There is nothing, absolutely nothing, that you can do to earn, keep, or prove that you have eternal life. Okay? Eternal life is a free gift of God. He gives it to anyone who believes in Jesus for it. That's it. And that's not a work. Faith is not a work. All right? So, the, the, notice the last part, though. To prove that you have eternal life. Your riches don't prove that you have eternal life, nor does poorness prove that you have eternal life. And Jesus is trying to point that all out here. So, when we come right down to it, sort of the bottom line is here, do you have to give away your wealth in order to gain eternal life? No, you do not. And Jesus is not teaching that here. All right? Nevertheless, if you are a follower of Jesus, then there is some benefit to giving away your wealth if you have it. In fact, one of the reasons you have wealth might be so that you can give it away. To help others in need. And in that way, experience the life of God. That you that you that he has given to you. All right? And 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 that is what Jesus is calling and inviting this rich young ruler to do. He's pointing out the flaws in his thinking, 
his flaws about what his riches mean, his flaws about eternal life, his flaws about his obedience to the Ten Commandments and all the law of Moses. And then he says, and then come follow me. And somewhere along the way, you're going to hear, eternal life is a free gift to anyone who believes in me for it. That's what Jesus would say. And then let's deal with your riches. Maybe you do need to give them away, as he told Zacchaeus. But that's not to gain eternal life. That might be to inherit or experience God's life in you here and now in this life. And I would, I would, I think the same thing applies to us today as we seek to understand what to do with our own riches um, and possessions. Okay, so hopefully that under that helps you understand. There's a lot more to this passage that I didn't get into. I do cover it in a lot more detail in the Gospel Dictionary online course, which you can take by joining my discipleship group, going to redeeminggod.com slash join. you learn more about it there. And just, uh, by the way, just to, to once again remind you, uh, I do have some new books on church that are out, revised, updated. You can go find them on Amazon. Start with uh, book number one, which is uh, The Death and Resurrection of the Church. And if you're looking for some good Bible study software, look, do yourself a favor, get 10% off by using my coupon code, redeeminggod8. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the One Verse Podcast. Hope it was helpful and encouraging. If it was, hey, invite your friends and family. Maybe uh, make a mention of on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, if you know, wherever you're at, and invite people to come listen so they can get their questions about Scripture answered as well. All right, we'll see you next week when we're back here again discussing another topic and another passage on the One Verse Podcast. <laughs>